Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, all you everyday innovators out there. I am so thrilled to be connecting with you on, well, yet another Friday. Can you believe it? It is wrap-up time. If you're new to this podcast, Friday is where I go through this week's interviews and I highlight one aha that really spoke to me and how it made me think differently or even take action. And I do that because it's not about me, because it's about you. And I want you to be thinking about how you can take action, how you can move the needle forward in your world, how you can be the best everyday innovator you are meant to be. We had four incredible interviews this week, as we always do. Marcy Eastman, who's a real estate agent. Jeff Reisig, who is a district attorney out in California. Chris Besh, who owns her own company in the culture space. And Duncan Sewell, who's a child psychologist and on the board of Forging Youth Resilience, a nonprofit that works with at-risk kids. Totally diverse set of people. So exciting. I want to share a story with you to start before I dig into it, because somebody asked me the other day, how do you find all these people to, to share their stories? And are really that many people out there innovators? And of course, my answer is yes, because I know they are. I have the research to prove it. And the experiences and the stories and the connections with people like you to prove it. But I had an experience early on in my career that actually really brought this all home. And it's what put me on the path of being obsessed with human innovation and how to make more of us realize and unlock this incredible superpower we have inside of us. So my very first job in ever was actually in advertising on Madison Avenue. Now, at the time, Madison Avenue was where all the incredible creative came out of in New York City. If you've seen Mad Men, it was a little bit like that, but in the mid-90s. And I was an account coordinator. So I felt very lucky to have the job. But let me also tell you that I was the lowest of the low of the low of the totem pole. That means I was lucky to make copies and get coffee for people. But I had a boss who believed in me. And so one day she pulled me into her office and she said, Tamara, I want to give you the responsibility of putting together the big creative meeting that we're about to have. Now, this is the meeting where everybody who touches the brand that we work on in any way comes because we set the creative tone for the rest of the year. This is the strategy that sets the stage for all the advertising and all the marketing that we create. Now, everybody's going to be there. The account management, that's kind of what I was in. So those are those of us who are kind of like moving the project, moving the business forward. We're kind of the doers, the administrators. And then you've got the people in media, media buy who buy advertising. You've got the people in accounts payable and receivable who look at the money, just everybody. And of course the clients, but most importantly, Steve. Why Steve? Because Steve was on the creative team. Now, the creatives were the untouchables. They were the ones with that magic mojo that the rest of us just hoped to, you know, be by them one day when they had a moment, we could write it down. And especially Steve. Steve was magical. He would walk into the room, he would spread his creative brilliance, and then he would leave and we'd all be left like, oh, Steve was amazing. So he absolutely needed to be there. So I get it on everybody's calendars. We're good to go. The day arrives. We're going to start at 9 a.m. sharp. I get there at 8.45, coffee's there, check, bagels are there, check. 
account management and the clients start to rolling in, of course, they're always early. No, Steve, but creatives are never early, so no problem. Then at nine o'clock, the people in media, the people in accounts payable and receivable, all those other people start rolling in exactly on time. Still no Steve, but that's okay. Creatives are never on time. Everybody's drinking coffee. Everybody's happy. I'm looking around the room. It's about 9.15. Still no Steve. 9.45 rolls around. Now everybody's sitting at the big conference table. They're all staring at me. The coffee's getting cold. Still no Steve. So I start dialing for dollars. I call the production floor to see if he's out there editing another ad. I call the reception desk to see if he's coming to the building. I call his office and his office mates like I haven't seen him all day. So I finally call him at home where I get him and he answers the phone and I say, Steve, what are you doing? And he says, what do you mean? I said, well, today's a big day. It's the creative meeting. Why aren't you here? And he says, oh, you know what, Tamara, I wasn't feeling the mojo today, so I'm not coming in. You'll have to reschedule that. And he hung up on me. I saw my career flash before my eyes. I was like, this is it. I'm done. I'm done. It was a good 15 minutes of fame in New York. I'm out. So I go and I sit down and everybody's staring at me and I, I'm sweating. And I look up and I say, well, Steve's not coming. That's it. That's all I had. And this awkward silence filled the room. I just, I wanted to crawl under that table and hide. But then the most amazing thing happened. First, Greg in Media Buy says, hey, I've been seeing this interesting pattern with our competitors out there in the market. And it led me to this idea. And then Jenny, who's in Accounts Payable, said, yeah, I've been seeing this trend with money. And that led me to this idea. Before I knew it, the room was bubbling with new ideas. And that day, we set the creative strategy for the year that grew the business over 18% without Steve. That day blew my mind because it made me realize that this myth that I'd bought into that creative, being creative or innovative was magical and for the select few totally got blown out the door. It wasn't true. What I saw that day is incredible innovation coming from everyone and everywhere and where I had least suspected it. And what I came to realize is that if you give people the room, the permission, and the tools to innovate, it's, it's possible for all of us. We're all everyday innovators. We just sometimes need a little bit of a nudge in that direction. So here's the nudge that I want to give you. One, I want you to go to our website. If you haven't already done it, I want you to take our IQE, our Everyday Innovator Assessment. It tells you your unique style of innovation. It is research-based and proprietary. And I want you to unlock this incredible superpower inside of you. Two, I want you to then go and get yourself access to our Everyday Innovators digital magazine, also on our website. I'll put the link to all this in our show notes. In there, you will find the top innovation tools at your fingertips 24-7. Here's the cool part about this. What I love about the magazine and what the feedback that I get from the people who have access. It's interactive. It is digestible and bite-sized. There's videos, there's articles, there's links for downloads that you can do. So you don't have to make it this heavy lift, long webinars, courses, like revamp everything that you do. It's all bite-sized. So you can drive innovation every single day and have what you need when you need it. So go take the assessment, discover your everyday innovator style, and then go get yourself the tools you need to be a strong innovator. Speaking of strong innovators, Let's talk about this week and the incredible guests we had on and what they taught us. 
I'm going to start with Marcy on Monday and work my way down. Now, as I do every week, the link to these people are in the show notes so you can click back, but also they're right there. They're in that week. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify, just scroll up a little bit, or even on our website, just go back to the podcast page and scroll up. You'll find everybody. All right. First up is Marcy Eastman and Marcy is a top realtor in her area. She is a collaborative imaginative, and she has put it to use to be the go-to realtor for a lot of people in this community, actually. So collaborative and imaginative brings whole novel innovation to the table. Collaboratives are all about disparate people and ideas and experiences coming together to drive innovations, like intersections of random. And the imaginative is all about playing in the gaps, novel, creating things that didn't yet exist. Like I said, she's brought those two things together to really get the edge in the market. Marcy talked about improvement, and this is the part that really spoke to me. She talked about working to be 10% better every single day. And when I thought about it, it really spoke to me, and here's why. I've been focusing for the last couple of years on 1% better, maybe 2% better, and mind you, those things add up. Don't get me wrong. I'm compounding value, compounding interest, right? It's important. But when I thought about Marcy saying 10%, what I started to realize is that I love that number because it is doable, right? I could be 10% better every day, but also it makes me stretch. I got to work just a little bit harder to get to 10% better. And I liked that combination of doable, but challenging 10% better every single day. So I applied this to a project I was working on the other day. And it was where I I have a client who has purchased multiple IQEs for their team. And one of the things that we give teams are these awesome postcards. They're so beautifully done. And on the front is your unique everyday innovator style. On the back is a little bit about you, custom to your results. So everybody gets their unique style. It's a great visual way to bring your innovation to life. People put on their desks, in their offices. They carry it around to meetings so they can show each other, so they know how to best leverage each other in the meetings. The postcards are the best. And so I was putting these together for a client. Normally what I would do is I'd create the list, put it in alphabetical order, put the po- grab the right postcards, put them in a folder for her, and then send them off. But I thought I can do this 10% better. I just talked to Marcy. I can do this. So first of all, I thought, well, what would make this 10% better, not just for me, but for my client? And I thought, ah, I'm going to put a sticky note on each one with the name of the person it belongs to so she doesn't have to go back and match it up to the list. I've already told her who belongs to whom, right? which postcard belongs to which person. Check. And then I thought, okay, I have this Excel spreadsheet and yeah, it's got our company logo on it and our contact information, but can I turn this into a beautiful marketing piece that someone would be excited to look at? Like piece of art almost. So that's what I had my team do. I had turned this list into a piece of art. It is beautiful, people. Like beautiful. I love it. Even more important, the client loves it. She emails me the next day and she says, first of all, thank you so much for putting those sticky notes on. That saved me hours. I so appreciate you. Then she said, and hey, do you mind if I share that the a PDF of that list you sent me? It's just so beautiful. And I think it would be cool for everybody to see each other's results. That's the first time she's ever said that, by the way. Here's why I'm excited about why this 10% really mattered. Not only are they going to buy more IQEs for me, so boom, that's good. But also now the impact is greater because I sent her something that she wants to send out to her team that's going to help them be stronger collaborators too. So they're going to get more out of it. Their impact is tenfold, not 10%. So here's what it got me to realize. 10%, at least for me, is a really good number. It's doable, but challenging. And I would encourage you to think about 
Are you settling for 1% and 2% every single day? Or could you do 10% and really make a huge impact? And by the way, I get it. Some days I feel like are 0% for me. But overall, again, compounding value, I focus now on 10%. And I love it. I even did it with dinner the other day with my kids. We were doing tacos. Normally, I would just kind of put the tacos on the plate, right, and serve them. This time I was like, I'm going to make this a 10% better experience for everybody. So I made a whole taco bar and diced up everything and made it like we were at a restaurant. It took me like not that much effort to do, but made a huge impact on the kids. They loved it. We had so much fun at dinner that night. And I swear it was because of my taco bar. 10%. Where can you give 10% that's going to return tenfold? That's my new mantra, by the way. I just said it. As I was doing this podcast interviewing to you right now, and it's totally like, boom, I'm putting it on a post-it note on my desk. What can we do that's 10% that leads to tenfold? You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff Zoe is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition. And I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD dog treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing. According to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. All right, next up is Jeff Reisig, who is the district attorney out in California. Now, Jeff is a futuristic inquisitive. So he innovates, he brings forward deep innovation to the table. And futuristics are all about force through the trees, the impact, like they see ahead. They see today's uh, problems as tomorrow's opportunities. And as inquisitive is all about challenging assumptions, digging deep, innovations in the questions, not the answers. And he's really used those two to make a huge impact in the criminal justice system, not just in his county, which is already impressive, but actually across the US as well. They've become a beacon of innovation. Go back and listen to the podcast. 
But here's the thing that I wanted to highlight that Jeff talked about that made me think a little bit differently about how I go about my work. He was talking about how, and as you can imagine, if you're in government, you know, that's a big system. And there's a lot of layers and a lot of bureaucracy and a lot of resistance to innovation. And I was asking Jeff about how he overcomes that resistance. What does he do to overcome that brick wall when he hits it, when he's in a system that's just mired in it? And he said a lot of really interesting things that are they're very insightful. But there's one that really perked up for me, I guess, in the space that I'm in right now. And he, he talked about getting partnerships. And for him, he was talking about outside partnerships, private sector that can help create kind of a trifecta of change and innovation. And I thought that was really interesting. And it made me realize how often I try to go at moving those resistors that are in front of me solo. I'm, let's face it, I'm pretty good at creative problem solving. I'm pretty good at, you know, if there's a brick wall in front of me, instead of continually going over it, I will find ways around it, through it, under it, using it as a trampoline. Like I'm pretty good at that, but I often do it solo. And when I heard Jeff talking about it, it made me realize, you know what, I could go further faster if I created more partnerships. So I've started to work on that. I will report back in a couple months when I see how these first partnerships I created pay off. And I think they will, because if nothing else, now I have these incredible champions and advocates out there in the world. So I want you to think about that. Where are you hitting resistance that you could not just get help, but actually build partnerships that would help you go further faster? All right, third up is Chris Besh, who is the president of Choose People. And that's the company that focuses on culture and transformation with, with their clients. And Chris is an instinctual inquisitive. So the instinctual is all about um, bringing connective innovation to the table. And inquisitive is all about deep. So connective and deep. And instinctual is all about A to B to X over to Y back to A over to 1. That's how they think. It's not so linear. It's more circuitous. And because of that, they tend to connect dots in new and meaningful ways. And the inquisitive, as I said before, is all about deep innovation in the questions, challenging assumptions, pulling back the layers. And Chris has used this to great success. Chris talked about something interesting. You know, oftentimes when we try to transform or get unstuck or get to the next level in our work and lives, we often do what we think is the right thing to do, which is we make a mind map and then we make a plan and we follow our plan. So we get kind of stuck in the to-dos of it. And the to-dos are important. Action is important. But Chris went through a transformation recently that really leveled up her entire work and life. And she talks a lot about this, the whole story in, the, in her episode. And, you know, she talks about, I stopped being a person of doing and started being a person of being. Let me break down what that means. What she was trying to say is, or what she did say is, I needed to figure out who I needed to be to make this next level happen. Not what I needed to do, who I needed to be. And I love that thought. And I, I've gotten pretty good about that. In the last year, I've kind of gone through a similar transformation of, hey, if I want to grow my business to X millions of dollars, who do I need to be at that level to make it happen? Because if I'm being the person I am now, I'm going to stay where I am. But if I can improve myself and think about who I need to be, my mindset, my habits, my behaviors, how I deal with things, the doing will naturally fall out of that. And that's what I would really encourage you to think about is, are you so bogged down in the to-dos, but those to-dos are for today and you're trying to get to tomorrow, to the next place? Who do you need to be to make those things happen? Who do you need to be? What type of everyday innovator are you? And how do you leverage that 
to your fullest advantage? How do you get the mindset and the tools? How do you get the behaviors and the habits that are going to take you and this incredible superpower you have to the next level? We talk a lot about doing in this world and productivity and like white knuckling it. And, you know, Chris was coming from a place of ease and velocity, by the way. She talked about how this kind of focusing on the being part gave her a lot of ease, which put her into a state of flow of creativity and innovation, but also that innovation then came with velocity. Very interesting. You don't often hear those two together. Who do you need to be at the next place you're trying to get to? All right, last but not least was Duncan Sewell, who is the child psychologist and on the board of uh, Fire Forging Youth Resilience. Now, he is a futuristic inquisitive. So like Jeff, actually similar, is all about Tomorrowland, 10 steps ahead, the impact of things. And the inquisitive is all about pulling back the layers of that onion, questioning and questioning and why is it done this way and how come we have to do that? And because of that, he brings forward and deep innovation to the table. And you'll hear that throughout his entire interview. Duncan said a lot of things about the power of the program that he he is deeply involved with called FIRE, Forging Youth Resilience. And it's a, here's how I'd sum it up. It is a program that teaches kids the power of their own capabilities of resilience, of mental toughness, physical toughness, and shows them what they're capable of through health and wellness programs, kind of CrossFit-based style programs. It's very cool. And one of the things we were talking about is how when kids lift a barbell up over their head and lift a weight they didn't think they were capable of doing, that success in that moment trickles out into confidence and decision-making across a lot of other things in their lives. And I'm sure you've had that experience too, where you've accomplished something you didn't think was possible and that confidence carries over. That's what this program gives them. I want to focus on something Duncan said about getting and inspiring others to come along for the journey, to work for this vision, to achieve that goal. One of the things that is impressive about Duncan, he's very good at inspiring other people to give their time, their energy, and a lot of it to this program. So I was asking him, how do you do that? Because it's one thing when you're the kind of, you know, deep in it and you're passionate about it, but it's another to spread that across and get so many other people involved. He said something that I thought was really interesting. And he said a lot of things, but this is the one I want to highlight. He talked about how, you know, I've got this passion. Then I go talk to you and you've got the passion, the same passion as me. We're like, yay. He, he said, but then he talks to other people and they don't have the passion, but they've got other passions. He said, his job is to figure out what your motivators are that connect back to the shared vision and the shared goal. He said, so if you want to be successful and you want to inspire others to give their time and their energy and their, their mental space to whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, you need to think about their motivators, not yours. We spend so much time pushing our passion and our vision on other people. And we expect people to see it the way we see it. Like you should be passionate the way I'm passionate about it. But the truth is you're not. You have your own motivators. You have your own drivers. I need to understand that. We spend a lot of work doing that at the innovation level with the everyday innovator styles. We have this personality cheat sheet that people love that has the different motivators. So for example, someone like Marcy, who's a collaborative imaginative, who I interviewed Monday, she's going to be motivated by building connections and building new things. Jeff, on the other hand, who's a futuristic inquisitive, is going to be motivated by uncovering new possibilities and solving problems. I'm an experiential risk taker. So I am super motivated by carving new paths, having that room to be bold, and by taking action, by seeing things come to life, building new things. 
we're all motivated in different ways. And I think Duncan's comment really kind of added that layer on like, what's their passion? What's their motivator for, for getting excited about something and putting their effort into something? That's what I want you to think about when you are trying to get buy-in for your next idea. Instead of thinking about just pushing your passion onto them, I want you to think about uncovering their passion and then finding ways to connect those dots to the shared vision and the shared goal. I also think, by the way, and it's been my experience that it's better to be surrounded by people with different passions and motivators than the same one. You tend to get group think that way when you're all the same. And when you have different motivators and you're looking at different angles of things, you tend to shore up those gaps. You tend to have stronger collaboration, stronger conversations, stronger ideas, stronger business partnerships overall. So think about uncovering their motivators. All right. Marcy with 10%, Jeff with partnerships, Chris with being a person of being, and Duncan to finding their motivators. Here's actually two things I want to close up with. One is, if you haven't given us a review yet on iTunes in particular, I hope that you do. That review is for the everyday innovators and letting these people know that, hey, I'm getting value out of your podcast. Because you know what? These are not the people with the books and the stages and the platforms. These are everyday people who have been willing to share something they've done in their world that can hopefully inspire others. So that review goes a long way and more reviews equals more impact. So go show them some love and go give us a review. The second thing I want to say is if you haven't listened to a whole weeks of interviews, or if you're just listening to one here, one there that you think is going to speak to you, I would suggest that you're doing it wrong. One of the great ways to dial up the innovation, that creative mind inside of you is to step outside of your world and into the world of others. And guess what? I'm bringing that world to you every week with all these people. I mean, this week alone was real estate, criminal justice, corporate culture, and um, nonprofit. The week before that, I can't remember. I do so many that I can't remember what is what week, but I know that I've had someone from a credit union. I know I've had a salon owner. I know I've had a boxing instructor. Like, come on now. All you got to do is spend 30 minutes a day in these interviews. That's it. While you're cleaning, cooking, while you're doing admin work, uh, while you're driving, while you're commuting, whatever, go step into their world. And if there's one that you look at and go, oh, this person doesn't have anything in common with me, I bet you that's the one you need to listen to. So write a review show the everyday innovator some love, and listen to a few more. All right, with that, Tamara out. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.